we don't judge you on that. Oh my goodness, all sorts of stuff going on today. So uh, we are in Luke, Luke chapter 6, covering the last couple verses in the chapter before we move on to the next chapter. We are in uh, Luke's rendition of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He, it's titled the Sermon on the Plain for, for Luke because it uh, seems to take place at a, a different place than on the mountain. Um, but it's the same kind of content that we see in places like Matthew when, when Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount. But Luke does it in a more condensed version and then scatters the rest of the teaching throughout his gospel. So we will cover, if you're like, you're like well, Sermon on the Mount, this is only a couple verses compared to like what we see in Matthew when, man, we cover all sorts of stuff. Yeah, Luke spreads that out throughout his gospel, so it will be covered. Um, but what Luke gives us is a, a snapshot. What we saw a couple weeks ago was, was really who finds the kingdom of God? Who finds the kingdom of God? And, and who doesn't find the kingdom of God and is vi- invited into that? And then last week, uh, get into the, kind of the heart of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God, live out the kingdom of God while we are here on this earth. And, and this, was a, this is a hard teaching what we covered last week was a hard uh, teaching about loving and forgiving, and not just the people that we like or those who are in our household or, or those you know, that we, we want to have within our, our circle of influence and circle of friends, but Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter and says, you need to love your enemies, love your enemies. And he go, I think he goes there, he says, man, if we can love our enemies, those who are against us, those who want to slander us, talk against us, Whatever it may be, hurt us in some manner, uh, you can do that, then, then that love is going to trickle down to those rest of our relationships as well. And so he talks about love and forgiveness, and the two of those go hand in hand. And if we don't get this down, then he says, then we're like the blind who would be leading the blind. And he says, you're both going to fall into the pit. And we are kingdom people. We are kingdom people, and what's, what's the use of, of being a kingdom person if we are living the same way as the world lives? That's, that's what he's saying. What's, where's the testimony in there? Where's the change in that? How's the community going to see us as, as different and be drawn into what Jesus is doing in his kingdom? And that was the push last week. Um, I, I read this little story, this, this little legend about the Apostle John. It, was just, it just spoke to the issue so well about how important this is, and I'll I'll read it again, and it says that as John was in his old age, the Apostle John, he was so weak that he had to be carried into the church meetings. Uh, At the end of each meeting, he would be helped to his feet and given a a word of exhortation, and he would repeat every single week, little children, love one another. And the story goes, his disciples grew weary of the same words every time. Finally, they asked him why he said the same thing over and over, and he replied, because it is the commandment of the Lord, and the observation of it alone is sufficient. I joked with some people this week, I said, I'm just going to repeat the sermon from last week, because <laughs> love, this, this is what the Lord is, is leading us into and preaching to us, and I said, yeah, I could just keep repeating this week after week until we start getting the grumblings of, why don't we do something different, Nick? Oh, because this, this is the message of Jesus Christ and obeying it, obeying this command alone, the legend says of, of the Apostle John, is sufficient in our lives. So that's how important this little section of Scripture is. Now, when you follow a command or you follow a line of thought, you follow a philosophy, you're, you're attributing authority to that idea or person. Would you 
Agree with that? When you, when, you, when you read something and you agree with it and say, oh yeah, the, we need to follow this, your, your tribute, they have some authority. They're speaking into our lives something that's in, important to us. And so Jesus is going to ask the question today, basically, who are you following? Who are you following? He's told us these are the kind of people that will find the kingdom of God, be interested in the kingdom of God, be invited into the kingdom of God. Then this is what it looks like to actually live the kingdom life while we're here on this earth. As he's closing down the sermon, he's asking the question then, who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow? Do you, we have choices to make in this, right? We have choices. We're human beings. God gave us free will to choose. Who are you following? And the, Jesus is going to do just a little bit of a confrontation here in this next section of Scripture. We're going to be in verses 43 through 49 today in Luke chapter 6. you got your phone, the Bible in front of you. There's Bibles in the seat pockets if you need to borrow one or take one of those with you. I encourage you to to follow along. I'm not going to put the Luke passages on the screen, um, but the other passages that we cover will be on the screen. So follow along. Luke chapter 6. Luke, uh, Jesus does a little bit of a confrontation with the, the people here. He challenges them a little bit in verse 46, right in the middle of, of the passage that we're going to cover today. He says this in verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? There it is. There it is. This is what I've commanded. This is what I've asked. This is what I've required. This is what comes with the kingdom of God. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do the things that I say? When you, when you call someone within the scriptures, Lord, Lord, it's not just saying like, oh, well, Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus is a good leader. You're really attributing the, 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 the authority that he has with God coming from God. You're, you're elevating him. And he says, okay, you're, you're recognizing my position. At least you say you recognize my position. You're, you're crying out, Lord, Lord. You're recognizing the position, the authority. Well, then why don't you do what I say? What good is it to acknowledge a person in power who has this authority, but then not act accordingly? And Jesus says that we show our love for him by following his ways. We see this in a number of different passages. And John, John is famous for this in John 14 and 15. And Jesus, Jesus is basically saying this is what putting Lord, Lord into practice looks like. In John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There it is. If you love me, if you want to follow me, you will keep my commandments. A couple of verses later, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. Look at that. A couple verses later, so he's given the positive. Hey, if you love me, that you're, you're going you're, you're to keep my commands if you, if you say you're going to follow me. A couple verses later in John 14, 24, the one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. Just kind of keeps repeating this idea over and over again in this passage. He says, then goes on, the word that you hear is not mine, it's from the Father, it's from God. Again, going back to authority, recognizing you're, you're at least saying, I have authority in this area, why, why, don't, you, why don't you do what I've asked, is, is what he's saying. John 15, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. In John 15, 14, you are my friends. 
you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. There's a connection between knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, and then following, actually following his instructions, following what he's asked us to do as, as his, uh, he's, our, he's our teacher. He's already in this, the last section last week, he pointed that out, you know, hey, your, your job is to be like the teacher. Hey, I'm, you've said I'm, I'm your teacher. Your job is to be like the teacher. And he's going to show us in this passage what it looks like to actually follow him. And in verse 47, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. We're going we're gonna to just play this out. I'm going I'm to tell you a couple different stories, he says. I'm going to tell you different, a couple different stories about what it looks like Excuse me, for someone who, who comes to me, says they know me, hears my words, and then actually follows and acts on them. He's going to give us two different pictures, one a tree and one a house. Any gardeners here? Anybody like to garden? Can't do much of that right now unless it's indoors, but anybody looking forward to getting out and planting a garden? Got a couple of hands. Don't, don't be shy. <laughs> don't be shy. I hear, I hear a lot of people uh, talk about gardening and how they're excited about getting back into the, in the dirt. So we got Jesus going to talk about gardening and he's going to talk about uh, houses, building a house. Anybody here in construction, building a house? Been built a house? Yeah, I need that. Yeah, so there's something for, for everyone here in these stories. And he says this, here's the passage today, uh, Luke 6, 43 through 49. He says this, a good tree... A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil, produce, evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the hearts. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the floods came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed, and the destruction of that house was Great. This is probably two familiar pictures that we've, we've heard from Jesus. If you've been reading the scriptures and following, uh, following Jesus for a little while, we've probably heard these stories. You may have used them yourself when talking about your faith. What we're going to see today is just the crux of the message here. A faith built on a solid foundation will stand. And a faith that stands will produce some pretty awesome fruit. This is the message. This is the message. A faith that stands firm on a foundation, and then what happens with that faith? It produces fruit. Now, this tree and house combo is, is really interesting. What is, what's Jesus? Why is Jesus pulling in trees and, and houses together? I, what Jesus may have been thinking, he may have been going back to a familiar passage for the nation of Israel, and it's found in Isaiah 5. I don't, I'm not pulling this one up because it's really long. It's not going to fit on the screen, but Isaiah 5, Isaiah chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 7. He may have been thinking about, about something like this as he's telling this story. And so if you want to turn there, please feel free to do that. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. This is a poem. 
This is a poem, Time for Someone to Wake Up. Uh, this is a poem, and, uh, and, and uh, so let's, let me read this, this poem to you in Isaiah. I will sing about the one I love, a song about my beloved one's vineyard. The one I love had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He broke up the soil, cleared it of stones, and planted it with the finest vines. He built a tower. So here you have a garden, and now you got a tower. He built a tower in the middle of it and even dug out a wine press there. He expected it to yield good grapes, but it's yielded, it yielded worthless grapes. So now residents of Jerusalem and men of Judea, please judge between me and my vineyard. Interesting. He starts out the poem by talking about someone he knows who has this vineyard and then pulls it in as actually his own vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did? Why, when I expected a yield of good grapes, did it yield worthless grapes? Now will I tell you what I am about to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be consumed. I will tear down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland. I will not, uh, it will not be pruned or weeded. Thorns and briars will grow up. I will also give orders to the clouds that the rain should not fall on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, he plant, uh, the plant he delighted in. He expected justice, but saw injustice. He expected righteousness, but heard cries of despair. You see, you see that the high hopes in this poem about this vineyard that was planted and the high hopes that, w- that would come about what was going to be coming from this vineyard and then the reality of its fruitless yield. It's fruitless yield. Now, Jesus' audience, Jesus is going to talk about a foundation, building a foundation of, of, for your, your faith. And, and Jesus' audience would have had a, a number of um, what I'm calling foundations of their faith. They would have a number of foundations to their faith. And going all the way back to creation, the, the foundation of creation being image bearers, meant to, to work for God's purposes and plans, and them knowing the nation of Israel actually being the people of this creator God. And so there was this foundation at creation for God's people. There was another foundation built with, with the covenant of Noah after, after the world had fallen into sin and was basically destroying itself, and God had to come in and, and intervene in that and, and do some destructive work. But coming out of, out of the flood, what is this covenant with Noah? Go back out, cultivate, multiply, go back to what, was, what we said to do back in creation, all right? Have, have dominion over the earth, take care of it, steward it. You are my stewards here on the earth, and that was a, a foundational piece for them. You see a foundational piece in the, the covenant of Abraham. They were, they were called the, the children of, of Abraham, uh, Father Abraham, they would say. And God's covenant with, with Abraham was that, that he would create a prosperous people who not only would, would prosper themselves, but they would also be a blessing to the world around them. And we see this not being lived out, not actually being lived out. All right, and then we see that the foundation in the law of Moses, this would be the most familiar, what we would call a foundation for their faith, the foundation in the law of Moses. They were sealed, literally sealed as God's people. 
Uh, and the law was there to give them direction and guidance, give them some boundaries so that they would be God's people and he could be in their midst. And we see this over the years being corrupted by tradition and, and them failing to live up to the principles of the law. And really, it got to the point where the law was only as secure as the temple was. This is where it all revolved around. And what did we see happen in 70 AD? The temple crumbles because Rome comes in and has enough with the, this, this nation who's just a thorn in their side. And, and they go in and say, we're, just, we're taking it all. We're, we're destroying the temple. And we see them scattered. We see the nation of Israel scattered. Their faith is scattered. Their, their sacrifices seek, uh, excuse me, cease. All of this religion that they had built up, all these traditions that they had built up, crumbled. The foundations we see in each of these instances, from creation to the law of Moses, where these foundations would, would crumble. These foundations would crumble. And we see in the, the, through that uh, poetry in Isaiah chapter 5, the Lord says, the foundation has crumbled. The foundation has crumbled and it's going to be overtaken. We can't salvage what's, what's there. And so a new foundation has to be laid. A new foundation has to be laid for his people. Again, going back, not just for his people, but what? For the, the blessing of the whole world. The blessing, the, the invitation to be part of God's kingdom for the whole world. And, and Jesus, as he's talking with his disciples, uh, remember he's asking the question later on in his ministry, well, who do, who do people say that I am? And then who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 16, verse 18, he says this, he says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this rock, here we go, what's, what's being built on the rock here in, in our scripture for today? I will build my church. A foundation will be laid on this rock, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. That's a pretty uh, strong foundation. And what is that foundation? What is the foundation? We see in Matthew 16, a couple verses earlier, uh, Simon Peter answers him when he asks the question, who am I? Simon Peter answers him, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And it's on that rock, that statement, that profession of faith that you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. That is the foundation that is going to be laid for us. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3, for no one can lay any foundation other than what has already been laid down. That foundation is what? Jesus Christ. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. No one can lay any other foundation because something's already been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. This is the foundation that will not be shaken. This is the foundation that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount here, in Luke, as we're, as we're looking through uh, the, his Sermon on the Mount. And so a, a faith built on a solid foundation will stand. A faith built on a solid foundation will stand, and a faith that stands will produce some pretty awesome fruit. This is what Jesus is saying here for us today. And a new foundation is being built. A new foundation is being built. And we see in verse 47 through 49, he says this, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. On the rock, again, what is, what is the, the rock? There's Jesus Christ. When the floods came, the rivers crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But 
The one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the destruction of that house was great. Anybody ever build anything on the sand? Maybe you go to the beach and you build something on the sand? Ever do that? Sand castles, whatnot? Now you can raise your hands and say, yeah, we've all built sand castles, right? Yeah, we've had fun playing in the sand. What happens with, with a day's work in the sand? It's gone. It disappears. The tides come in, sweeps it, sweeps it out. It just flattens it down to nothing. That's sort of the imagery that Jesus is giving us here. But if you dig down deep to the rock, a firm foundation, then you could actually lay something upon that. Lay something upon that. A strong foundation is going to create a strong building that is going to be strong against any element. And a building that's built on a weak foundation is just going to crumble in the midst of turmoil. Now, what, what, is, what are we struggling with here? This is a personal question. you do not not looking for answers here, but personal question here. What are we struggling with in our lives? What, what, what are those waves that are, that are crashing in on our, our houses? And we, we just, how am I going to make it through this? How am I going to make it through this? This, this is Jesus' question. Do you feel the waves? Do you feel them crashing against your house, against your person? You feel something coming against you? I bet you if we we're all honest, we would say yes to something. It could be different things for, for all of us. It could be a relationship. It could be, of course, your job. It could be uh, even, even questions about your, your faith. Uh, it could be, could be anything that you just feel is crashing against you, someone who's coming at you, a boss who's, who's being unreasonable, an employee who won't listen to you. Whatever it may be, we probably all have something that we feel is crashing against us today. And Jesus says, if we trust in the firm foundation which Jesus himself has laid, then those, those, those waves will not take us down. It doesn't say that the waves aren't going to come, which is very interesting. It doesn't say the waves aren't going to come. It doesn't say, hey, you've built your house in a place where you're never going to experience pain. All right? That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, no, this is the world, right? We're, we're all going to feel this. We're going to feel the pressures and the strains and the division and, and all of that, the, the relational issues, and, and we're all going to feel that. He says, but that the key is the foundation that, that we're building upon. Is it our own? Is it our own? If I, if I need to tackle the world on my own, man, I, I just, I'm going to get bowled over in those waves. But can I rely on Jesus as my firm foundation? And the scriptures say, Jesus is talking about a building here. The scriptures say that we're not just any old building. We're not just any old house. We as believers in Jesus Christ are what? We're, we're the house of the Lord. Right? This again, temple imagery, which they would have been very familiar with. We're not so familiar with it, but this is what he says. We are the house of the Lord. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple? Right? You, you, you guys know about the temple that's back in Jerusalem, and you think there's a lot of activity that goes on there, and you think this is central to your faith? Don't you yourself know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, go, those waves come crashing against you. If you feel like they're destroying you, if you feel like everybody's against you, God will destroy him. Jesus, Paul uses some pretty powerful 
language here about the, the things, the world as it comes against us, it, it will cease. Again, going back to last week's passage, we don't judge because why? We, God is judged. God's in control. God's got this all under control. We do not try, have to try to sit in that seat of control. That's not our, not our position. That's God's position. For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Do you feel that? Do we feel that? that? That's a powerful statement. God's temple is holy, and that's what you are. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are God's holy temple. And, and something that's holy is something that's special. Something that's special, right? We are God's temple, and our foundation is laid and set on the work of Jesus Christ and no other work. There's no other work that's needed. No other foundation is, is needed on this. And the great thing about a, a, a foundation is what it's meant to be built upon, right? You don't go to a house and you don't just build the foundation and then just leave it. Well, if you run out of money, you might just leave it, right? <laughs> and uh, it may take a while to, to build on it. But what's, what are you meant to do with a foundation? Build something up. Put something on that, all right? I would say that's like, that, the, that's like the fruit on a tree. The fruit on a tree is like an ornament, and that's kind of like what your house is built on a foundation. It's, it's all that, that, that special stuff, right, that, that you love and that you want to show and that, that you want the world to experience when they come over to your house and, and fellowship with you. And says that's like the ornaments, and a foundation is meant to be built upon. And, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 again, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, we can choose. We get to kind of choose what we're going to put up on this foundation, what we're going to invest our time and our energy and our resources in. Gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. And he's talking about us. He's talking about us, our foundation, what we're building in our lives each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each one's work. We have a chance to build on the foundation, to, to live out, he's saying, live out the kingdom. Live out the kingdom. Jesus has laid the foundation, said this is what it looks like, this is who come, comes in, these are, these are the people that, that are going to experience the kingdom, and we want you to live a kingdom life. We want you to build and produce fruits. We want you to produce fruit. And we go back to the first illustration of the tree. Fruits. A good tree, in verse 43, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruits. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruits. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes, or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. John Stott says this. He says this, The truth on which Jesus is insisting is neither that intellectual knowledge of him nor a verbal profession, though both are essential in themselves. So we're not going to deny them. Neither an intellectual knowledge of him nor a verbal profession, though both are essential, can ever be a substitute for obedience. Obedience is the fruit that's produced. And we can, we can come in here and we can open up our Bibles and say, oh man, we just learned a lot of great stuff about Jesus. It was so encouraging. And then do nothing with it. 
We can come in here and say, well, you know, my family, they've been, we were believers. My family's been believers for generations, and we've been founding members of this church or this place or whatever. We've been here, so therefore I'm feeling pretty secure, but we've not actually taken Jesus up on his promises and actually relied on him as our Savior, actually started to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, even though we may say, well, sometime way back when, you know, I think my family was part of a church, so therefore I think I'm in this. And, and John Stott's quote says, we need to know about Jesus. We need to have a profession of faith about Jesus and, what the, you know, and, and, and say that we are part of his family. But if the fruit's not there, if the obedience is not there, what good is that? What good is that? Going back to Paul and Corinthians, it's, that, it's like the hay and the stubble and all that stuff that's going to just get burned up and blown away at the end versus laying the gold and the silver and having, having healthy fruit. Fruit, I think, is a sign of the strength of the tree, right? And if we're relying on our own, if we're, we're a tree that's not tapping into strong roots, and we're, again, going back to the foundation picture, we're not, we're not relying on something that's bigger than us and greater than us, what are we going to have? Unhealthy fruit. An unhealthy fruit. Fruit is a sign of strength. And as we live in God's kingdom, the, the fruit that we produce is a sign of the strength of our faith and, and who we are putting our our trust in. Well, where does fruit come from? You know, I don't, I don't think the, the plants out there, the trees out there, just like the little branches strain and strain and strain. I got to try to pop this fruit out, right? It's, it's a, a natural flow, right, of the health of the tree. Am I, am I wrong in that? Do the, the, the branches strain and strain and strain, or do they just kind of naturally take in the elements and the water and, and everything that's kind of coming up through the, the roots and the, the, the trunk of the tree. Paul, again, says this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says this, a church that's struggling. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. This is where the fruit comes from. I planted, Apollos watered, we each did our work. This is a, this is a church that's fighting back and forth on who do we follow? I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I, I follow Peter, I, I follow Jesus for those real spiritual ones. Uh, and, and Paul's saying, wait, 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 we got this. God is the one. God is the one who's giving the growth. It's not about being on the right team. It's about where we're putting our faith and our hope, either in God or, or in other things. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. God is the one who brings the growth. He produces the growth. This is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, to be living in our lives and working through us and, and helping us to produce this fruit, this growth. And, and Paul writes in Second Thessalonians, we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. You're, you're in this family, you're children of the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, through the belief in the truth. God brings the growth. God brings the growth. And as we are tapping into God as our, our strong vine, uh, the, the roots, the roots of who we are, then we will see this growth. And a good person is going to produce good fruit like a, a healthy tree. And he uses these terms good and evil. I think he's trying to make a, a pretty big distinction here. And, 
and what it means to, to follow God. A good person is, is one who is living a, a life that's dependent on Jesus as their Savior. All right? And God is going to bring growth and fruit through that as they are, they are filled with the Spirit. An evil person is going to produce bad fruit. It's like an unhealthy tree, and, and they are the ones who are just living apart from Jesus. They're, they're not relying on Jesus as their guide and not depending on Him. And, and, and God's not, not there to guide them. They're, they're not allowing God to guide them in their lives, and so the, pr- the fruit won't be present. Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, uh, some translations say abides in me, the one who remains or abides in me, and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. And so here we see Jesus in his ministry. He, he, he lives his life. He steps up to the cross to free us from the mess of this world the mess that has so entangled us. And then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit uh, to allow us to grow more and more and more like Jesus as we live our lives. And this is what we see as the good fruit popping out, popping out of this healthy tree. And so a faith built on a solid foundation will stand and a faith that stands will produce some pretty awesome fruits. And this is the picture we have here today in this Scripture. So let's, let's talk about fruit just for, just for a few minutes. I gave you a little sheet of paper. I don't actually have one up here that I can actually hold up, but I gave you a sheet of paper with the fruit of the Spirit. What, what are, is there a better place to go when we talk about fruit to actually go back to the fruit of the Spirit as a reminder of this is what kingdom living looks like? Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. And again, fruit comes naturally to a healthy tree, right? A, a tree that's, that's secure to the, the trunk and the roots and is getting all that great stuff that is offered to it, hasn't cut itself off. Fruit is going to come naturally to that plant, to that individual. What's interesting, I don't have the passage uh, before this where, where Paul talks about the, the works of the flesh, we think of fruit coming naturally, uh, the, the, he, the works of the flesh, and he goes into those right before this with more about talking about, man, it's, it's labor, it's heavy, it's burdensome. But the fruit from the Spirit is natural as we are tied into the foundation that Jesus has laid living a Spirit-filled life, operating our giftings. And, and look, you look at this list of the fruits of the Spirit, it's not about a program, it's not about like check marks of things that you can do to accomplish, to, to produce more and more of this. This is just about how we live together, how we interact together. You look at those words. And so I gave you that little sheet of paper and listed the fruit of the Spirit in it just as a little take-home activity. Uh, if you come and, and do uh, counseling with me, any part, sort of pastoral counseling, you'll always get a, a scaling question from me. How are you doing on a scale of 1 to 10? 1 being, uh, I'm doing very poor and, and this is the worst I can ever get. 10 being that, hey, everything's fantastic. I don't need any more improvements, any more changes. And so I thought as, as an evaluation for where we are living, how we are, how we are living, uh, where, where would we judge the fruit in our lives? And again, the fruit 
comes naturally from, from being tied into the Holy Spirit, uh, letting the Holy Spirit guide us in, in our, during our lives. And so I'm not saying that, hey, you know, this is where I need to put lots more effort, effort, effort. Maybe this is a place where we need to put more prayer in. As we look down that list and as we evaluate, this is, this is what I see coming out of my lives. These are the areas that I struggle in. Uh, I'd say, man, maybe patience, patience. Oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, please, please keep working on this area for me. And so where, as you look down that list, may, may you find a, a little bit more struggle and we can pray into that. Jesus, Jesus, will you make me more patient? Will you give me more, will you help me to have more, practice more self-control or gentleness with those people around me or, or love? I just, need, I just need to get back to the basics of, of looking at love with those people around me. Jesus, where, where do I need a little bit more work in my life? And so that's what that activity is, is for, is just to kind of evaluate where we are, where we see fruit. What would be really interesting is you take it to a loved one and say, here, where do you see the fruit in my life? Ooh, that could be a little dangerous. If you need a little counseling on that or something, you know, free, feel free to come in and we can talk about that. But yeah, that's, a, that's a test right there. When, when, you, when you give that to someone else to say, where, where do you see the fruit? coming out of my life? How, how do you see me following in these, these kingdom principles? Because if we're a follower of Jesus, this is our desire. This is our desire. This should be our desire. And again, Jesus says in John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains or abides in me will produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. It all goes back to that foundation laid by Jesus Christ, that firm foundation laid by Jesus Christ. Then the troubles of the world, they're going to come crashing in. They will always come crashing in. They will always come crashing in. But even in the midst of trial, he says, you can live by the Spirit. The Spirit can actually work in you and through you. And this is what your life can be defined as, as these, these, these fruits of the Spirit as you are walking with one another, connected securely to Jesus Christ, united in Jesus, connected to Him, relying on Jesus. We're dependent on Him, remaining in Him. It's a continuing in our, in our faith, walking forward each and every day, relying on what Jesus has promised to do in our lives. And this is a, an ongoing daily dependence on, on Jesus. How many people here feel like every day we need to wake up and, Jesus, here's another day. Here's another day. How, how, how are you going to work through me? What do I need to give up so you can work through me today? Today, another day comes. And I don't think this is magical. I don't think this is mystical. I think, I think Jesus wants to do this in, in our ordinary days, in our ordinary lives, work this way. And a, a fruit from a tree naturally comes you know, as it's tied to healthy roots, a healthy system. He says, Luke says in verse 45, Jesus says this, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart, an evil produce, person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. heart our heart is key. Who has drawn our heart? Who has captured our heart? This is, this is where things are stored up for us and come out. This is where the fruit comes from. Our, heart, our hearts are guided by what we love, and it may not be Jesus. Our hearts are guided by what we love. 
Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we are guided by what we love and we become more and more and more like what we love. And it might not be Jesus. If we're not careful, it might not be Jesus. And so our heart, our heart is drawn to Christ and Christ fills our heart and then our heart produces good fruit by working in the Spirit. And then I think after that, because our heart's producing this good fruit, our heart is drawn more and more to Christ and Christ continues to fill up our heart and, and the Spirit works in our lives and our, and our heart produces good fruit. And James says this, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. Going back to the foundation, a strong foundation, a tree that's producing healthy fruit, it all goes together. It all goes together. John Stott's quote, the truth in which Jesus is insisting is that neither an intellectual knowledge, which is important, an intellectual knowledge, nor a verbal profession, which is important, neither of these, though both essential, can ever be a substitute for obedience because obedience shows the fruit. Obedience shows who we are actually following and where our lives are going. So as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount here, we we saw last week, we we looked at C.S. Lewis's long quote and summing it up this way, these are our choices for Jesus. These are our choices for Jesus. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he actually is Lord. And today we see that Jesus says, we go back to verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You, you've, you've said I have the authority. You've, you've, you've recognized who I am. You call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say. All this kingdom stuff that we just got done talking about, this is critical, this is important. So will we follow Jesus? Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's tying in acknowledging Jesus as our Lord and then actually living out his commands, doing what he says. This is what, this is what he's asking. And his original audience, again, they felt like they had established a firm foundation for themselves. They thought that they had layers of foundation that had been built. And what he says is these things are crumbling. These things are crumbling. We saw in Isaiah, the Lord says, these things are crumbling. This foundation is crumbling and a new foundation needs to be Laid And Jesus says, follow me as I build this new foundation. Follow me as I build this new foundation. It's a foundation that stands the test of time. And it's a foundation that will allow God to produce some pretty awesome fruit in our lives. I hope that's our prayer for today. I hope that's our desire for today, to be rooted, deeply rooted in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, grateful and rooted in that. And then saying, okay, now produce the fruit. Now help me live this this kingdom life. Is that our prayer for today? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we come to you. Each week I say I'm so grateful for what you have done for us, how you have blessed us, how you have so freely opened up your family, the family of God to us, where we can come in and join and and participate and and live your kingdom life. Lord, you gave us the example. You showed us how. And then you also showed us 
that you are the one who has laid a firm foundation as you went to the cross. And no other foundation will last. Everything else is built on that sinking sand, but Lord, you have built your church upon the rock. The profession that Jesus is Messiah and he's Lord over all. So we come acknowledging you as our Lord. We cry out, Lord, Lord. And then, Lord, we want to follow in your commands. Pray that that would be our heart's desire this morning as we start this new week. Remind us daily, Lord, that we need to to rely on you, tap into that good root where we get all the, the, the resources and everything that we need to produce strong fruit for you and your, for your kingdom. We come in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, let's worship together some more.